Great to be here with you guys tonight, excited for what God might want to do through this new series, Life Giver. So let's jump right in. Um, I was a soccer player when I was in, uh, well, a real little kid, and then middle school, high school, and then college, and I figured out something really smart. Maybe you guys didn't realize this. I'm a smart guy. I figured this out. It's really good. I figured out that in soccer, either you can chase the ball all around the field, or you can play goalie, and they bring it right to you, Okay. <laughs> So I said, I'm going to just play goalie. They'll bring it to me. So that was great. So I did that and had fun doing that. But man, when I got to college, what I saw before me was something really powerful. I saw this battle going on between my coach and then there was this extra goalkeeping coach that they had hired just the year I came in, just, just, just to help me, I guess, and just to help our little squad. And what I saw was the head coach was this incredibly encouraging guy. He was an amazing guy. You knew he loved God. I went to a Christian you know, college, and you just knew he loved God. You knew he was excited about being there, and he just cared for the guys so much. He was real. And then there was the goalkeeping coach, and he was so different. The goalkeeping coach, I'm actually pretty sure it was either Satan or the spawn of, okay? And this guy would scream. He would yell. He would mock. He would throw stuff. I mean, he was just a nightmare. One time he invited the goalkeepers to come over his house, and we were scared to death both to not go and to go. We didn't know what to do. It was like, if we go, he might kill us. If we don't go, he might kill us. And so we went. And uh, uh, he made spaghetti. And I remember we watched Dumb and Dumber. We, let's watch a movie. Let's watch, so we watched Dumb and Dumber. And the whole time, I was resisting the urge to say to him, Coach, this is so cool that we're watching this movie based on your life. This is incredible, you know? Are you dumb or dumber? Which one? Both? I don't know. But I was afraid the whole night that he was going to criticize my eating or something I said or did. I just remember literally being so uncomfortable that whole night because I knew what this guy was all about. He was all about cutting you down, intimidating you, and making you look dumb. I remember being out on the soccer field, and, you know, I think once someone has scored a goal. I mean, that's a total joke. Um, you know, but, but once in a while, somebody scores a goal. It's soccer, right? It happens, okay? And he would start screaming, yelling, like I said, throwing stuff, and then there would be the head coach, and the head coach would look at him, and he'd be like, chill out, and then he'd yell out to me. He'd be like, that's all right, Dougie. Got to pass you this time. Stay tough. Let's, don't laugh at Dougie. Hey. <laughs> hey. I didn't like that. Um, Stay tough, and we'll get him next time. And, and what I saw before me was this battle going on. You know what the battle was? It was a guy who used his words to bring life and another guy who used his words to bring death. A guy who was a life giver and a guy who was a death giver. A, a guy who said, okay, I'm going to use my words in a way that are going to lift people, going to make them better, going to point them to God. And then another who said, I'm going to cut them down, I'm going to belittle, and I'm going to hurt. And you know what? Maybe you haven't thought about it this way, but, but it's true. All of our words really fit into those two categories. The last time somebody encouraged you, you probably didn't say, why, thank you. You're such a life giver. And the last time someone put you down, you probably didn't say death giver, right? But I don't recommend it. But that's exactly what's going on. Isn't it true? Think about it this way. Um, Solomon, thousands of years ago, said this in Proverbs 18, 21. He said, the tongue has the power of life and death. Now, obviously, we know that words can't necessarily bring literal life and literal death, but I want you to think about it. It's almost just as powerful. Think about this. You see, your words have the power to either bring life or death to your marriage. In fact, I would guess uh, if you're in a, in a relationship right now, even a dating relationship right now, and it's really struggling, a component of it struggling are the words that you use to address each other. I, think about it. Parents in the room, this is so powerful. Parents in the room, 
you're, you, you and I, we have the ability to either bring life or death to our kids' spirits with the way that we speak to them, right? Just think about your own parents for a second. Some of you guys are young. You don't have, you know, you're not, you don't have any kids yet, but think about your own parents for a minute, right? If they're sitting next to you, don't like stare at them or give them a dirty look or nudge them or anything. I'll get me, get me in trouble. But, but just think for a second about the impact that maybe your parents' words have had on you, either for good or for bad, for life or for death. Bosses in the room, employees in the room, do you know that your words can either bring life to your office or death, can bring life to your work environment or death? Friendships, we're all in friendships. And you know what? Either the words we bring life to those friendships or they bring death. I just want you to think about the power of that. Think about the way that's been true in your life. Because pretty much you and I can divide everyone in our lives into one of those categories. Think about the people in your life who have been life givers. Who was it? A great coach, maybe? Uh, an awesome teacher? A great boss? A parent? A spouse? A great friend? Somebody that just made you better. Somebody that pointed you closer to God. But, but man, you, when you're around them, you just always felt lifted by the end of the conversation. And then think about those that every time you're around, they bring death. They bring death to your security. They bring death to your friendship. They bring death to your relationship. They bring death to your confidence, sometimes death to your relationship with God. They kind of, you know, hate you because you're a follower of Jesus or, or whatever it might be. But this is true of all of us. In fact, I can think of a teacher that, that, that did this for me. Um, I can think of some teachers that were life givers, but one in particular I can remember um, being in high school and going through a hard time. I was a teenager, and I remember the exact circumstance of, of that week. And I remember why I was acting the way I was acting. We all know this, right? That, that sometimes, when pe- most of the time when people are kind of acting out, it's usually because they're, they're going through something hard and they're looking for some type of attention, even if it's negative. I think that's where I was in life, okay? And I'll tell you, the, the weekend before what had happened was the school had had the, the prom or whatever they call it at Smithtown Christian. It's like the Holy Spirit weekend of dating or something. I don't even know what it's called anymore. But, but so we went to the Holy Spirit weekend of dating. And, uh, and while we were there, um, I, I had taken this girl and I liked her. And I found out just before I walked into this one class, I found out that the week, you know, the, the Holy Spirit weekend night, I, you know, I thought everything went kind of well and, and everything. And I found out that she'd actually kissed one of my really good friends that night. Like I had taken her and she had kissed him and they haven't found his body yet. And, um, <laughs> but here's what I remember. I remember I, I heard that. I could even tell you what room I was in in the school and then walked across the hallway into the room that I had to be in for that class and sat down. And I just remember just rejection. I felt rejected and I felt betrayed. And so there was this thing in me to, to just get attention and to act out. And I, I was being an idiot. I was being stupid. And the teacher should have dealt with me. It was right for her to deal with me because I wasn't doing the right thing. But I remember what she said to me and the way that she said it scarred me because basically she said to me, and again, I was out of control and I was wrong, but she looked at me and she said, Doug, and I'm not, you know, don't laugh at this. This isn't a joke, okay? Because this still hurts. Um, I, 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 I remember her saying, Doug, I don't know what's wrong with you. Do you need some kind of medication or something? And I remember feeling, you laughed. I told you not to laugh. All right, anyway, now I'm mad at you. Um, but I remember, I remember just breaking in that moment because I was already so hurt. I was hurt by what she had done. I was hurt by what he had done. And now this teacher had used this circumstance, even though I was in the wrong, and I know it, but, but man, they really brought death to my heart in that. It's something that really 
wounded me and broke me, and I didn't know how to handle that. As a teenager, I didn't know how to handle the rejection and the betrayal, but on top of that, someone's saying, do I need medication? I, just, I didn't know how to handle all of that together. And you know, you know exactly where you were. You know what the person said. You know how they said it. You can remember the room you were in. You can remember the tone of their voice. You remember probably what the person looked like, what you were wearing. You remember what you did earlier that day and later that day because it brought death to you. Now, here's the thing. You and I can't go back and change that, can we? I can't go back to that teacher. I mean, I may try to find her, but I, I can't go back in time and have her say something different. But here's what I can do. I can decide how I'm going to use my tongue, how I'm going to use my mouth, how I'm going to use my words, if words of life are going to come out of them or words of death are going to come out of them. If I'm going to be someone who's a life giver and when people are around me, they feel encouraged, they feel lifted, and they feel closer to Jesus when they leave or do they feel put down? Do they feel like I belittled them? Do they feel further from God? Are they looking at my life going, wait, he's a pastor, why would I... Why would I want Jesus if that's the way he treats people? Now, am I perfect at this? No. Do I, do I mess this up sometimes? Yes. But man, ultimately, the aim of my life and the aim of our life, what if it was to bring life to people? What if it was to lift them? What if it was to encourage them? I'll tell you this. You will stand out. You will be different. You will be like very few people on this planet are. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's something that should show people you're not like everybody else because God's in your life. What if the grid that we began to look at our language through was really, really different? Because you know what? I would guess most of us, when we have just a little bit of space, we end up thinking about those wounding. We end up thinking about what he said or what she said. In fact, my wife showed me something that Bill Murray tweeted. Bill Murray is like this comedian guy, you know, and, and funny stuff online all the time. And, and he said something recently that I thought was really funny, but so true, right? He said, he tweeted, I'm in the shower. He goes, 2% washing, 8% uh, singing, and 90% winning fake arguments, right? And that's exactly right, right? Just, just, just thinking, you have that space, right? And you end up back at the, wounding, the woundings and the hurts and the way they spoke to you like this or that. And you end up winning, well, winning the argument in your mind anyway, right? But man, what if, what if we became people who didn't wound and didn't put down and didn't belittle but actually gave life to people who need it so desperately? So tonight, I want to motivate you to be a life giver, okay? Then we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about something really important. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why... We don't normally do this. You see, I would guess most of us in this room know we should be life givers, know that we should use our speech to point people to God and encourage and strengthen instead of belittle and cut down and harm. But so few of us really live that life. Now, why is that? What's wrong with our hearts that makes us do this? And so we're gonna spend three weeks talking about that. I'm gonna bring out three things, I think, in our hearts that makes us cut down, belittle, and harm people with our words, three weeks to spend on why do we bring death instead of life? If we're followers of Jesus and he's changed our lives, then why would we not always be life givers? So we're gonna do that. But tonight, I just wanna show you what a life giver looks like. I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. I want you to know what it looks like so that you can begin to say, okay, that's the grid I wanna live my life through. That's the way I wanna use my speech. That's who I wanna be. 
Again, you, you could say, oh, come on, Doug. We're talking about how to talk. Was this like preschool? Again, this is your marriage on the line. This is your friendship on the line. This is your work environment on the line. This is our church on the line. We could be a place where people walk in and there's such life here that nobody will ever want to leave. Or this could be a place where we're just like everybody else and we gossip and we stab people in the back and we do what everybody else does. And why would anyone want to come back? So man, there's a lot on the line. This isn't little kid stuff. And so let's look at what Paul says. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know something. This, this matters to you too, doesn't it? And what if God's way works? What if, what if what God says in the Bible could actually transform your marriage? Wouldn't that be crazy? Could that maybe show you God is there if he knows what he's talking about? What if it could change your relationship with friendships? What if it could change your work environment? Wouldn't that be incredible to see that this actually matters? And then beyond that, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to really address something with you at the end of the message. I think that'll really encourage you. So we're gonna look at Ephesians 4, literally just this one verse. You know, some of us are like, wait, one verse, man, what am I gonna get out of one verse? Everything. Sometimes I just take one verse and that's all I read for the day because I wanna not just read it and then move on. I want to walk in it. I want it to matter to the point where it changes me, okay? So sometimes I'll read a chapter, two chapters, study, go in depth. Sometimes it's just one verse that hits me so hard. I go, I gotta live this out. So Ephesians 4, verse 29 says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That's what it means to be a life giver. That no corrupting talk comes out of your mouth or my mouth. I like that word corrupting. Some translations, some of you guys are reading in your Bible right now, it just says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. But I think this nails it. I think we know this is really what happens. Because here's the truth, right? When something is corrupt, it's ruined. But when something is corrupting, it's not only ruined, but it goes on to ruin other things, doesn't it? And when you and I speak words of death, when things come out of our mouths that belittle and put down and gossip, those things aren't just corrupt. They're actually corrupting. They're going to move on to corrupt others. Um, this morning, my wife was getting some food ready for the kids, and she found a few strawberries that were in the container. I don't know if you guys can see this, but they're, they're kind of funky, okay? They're a little bit corrupt. They're, they're a little bit old and moldy. And so you know what my wife knew? She knew to give them to Landon. No, I'm kidding. Uh, she, knew, <laughs> she knew that she had to remove these. Why? Why did she have to take these out and then take the, the, you know, the rest of the fruit and wash it and clean it? And because she knew that while these were corrupt, if she left them in there, what would they do? They would corrupt everything around. They would go on to be corrupting. And so Paul's saying, look, don't, don't let corrupt words, but, but man, even more, don't let corrupting words come out of your mouth because corrupting words go on to bring death, not just to that situation, but then to others. We've all experienced that in natural ways, right? We know how somebody's speech can corrupt us or our point of view or our perspective, right? I'll just give you an example in just a very natural way. This is a, a you know, it doesn't really matter. It's not gonna hurt anybody's feelings. But uh, when Man of Steel came out, Joey and Andrew and I went. At midnight, we were there, we were ready to roll. We actually ran into some of you guys. Collision was representing, I was very proud of that. And so, uh, Man of Steel, and we watched the movie, and I was completely enthralled the whole time. I thought it was perfect, you know, I, I wouldn't have changed the thing, and I just loved it, right? And, and, and I'm sitting there, and so it's 2.45, movie ends, right? And here's what I know. I know two seats to my right is Joey Lucci. And Joey Lucci is, if he ever left Youth Pastor, he could be a movie critic. This guy has tremendous, like if he likes a movie, it's really, really good. 
And so 245, here's what I know. If we start talking about this and Joey didn't like it, I'm not going to like it as much. <laughs> it's going to corrupt me, right? So here's what happened. 245, me and Andrew and Joey, we sat in silence. We just waited. I was exhausted, man. I'm old. I don't go to 12 o'clock movies anymore. So I'm just tired and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I'm not going to bring anything up. And then Joey goes, I thought it was awesome. I was like, me too. You know, so we were all excited. You know, it was great. And I didn't tell him that till just now, right? But we'll fight about it later. But, um, but that's just silly, right? But we know in the real world, right? We know how what someone says about someone else or what someone has said about us to others can go on to be so incredibly corrupting. And Paul goes, look, don't let any of that out of your mouth. Don't be someone who when you speak, it's not just bad, but it goes on to corrupt the person you're speaking to, be it about them or be it about somebody else. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That's what a life giver does. Then he goes on, he says, but only such as is good for building up. Only let things come out of your mouth and my mouth that are good for building Imagine if we live that way. Imagine if the only things that came out of our mouths were things that actually built somebody up, that made them stronger in God, made them have confidence in God and in who God made them to be. Imagine that great. Imagine if that's what your life and my life look like. I'll tell you what, we wouldn't be in this church anymore if that's what we were like, because we wouldn't fit, Right? We'd have to have a, a huge, huge building, man, because, man, people want to be around people like this. Imagine if that was the way that you lived your life. See, see, here's the thing. Some of us are, like, thinking maybe, like, boy, I don't really know, though. Like, like I don't know if, if I said this, would it build up or tear down? I, I would say this. We know. We know. We know what's going to make someone broken and what's going to lift them, okay? I, I'll just give you a stupid example here, right? I have some bricks here, and wow, that's kind of going to be in the way for a lot of you, but that, you shouldn't have sat over there. Um, so I have these bricks here. And you know, no one is wondering, right, as I just kind of let that have it and break DB's pedals. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. It was just the brick. It was just the brick. Yeah, yeah, I got the DB approval. See, just the brick. No one who, like someone walking in the back who just missed half the message, and no one, no one was going to come up and be like, oh, what you building up there? It's obvious. I'm not, I'm not building, right? I'm destroying. And you know what? With you and I, with our, with our mouths, the way that we speak, we know. We know, don't we? I mean, yeah, can you tease someone? Can you joke around? I mean, okay, that's, that's relationship, friendship stuff. But, but you know if you're building somebody up or tearing them down. You know, even in the dy- dynamic of that relationship, sometimes you can, you know, laugh and joke, and, and, and it's just good-natured fun. And I'm not saying, you know, we got to get crazy, but... But man, you know if someone in the moment is, is going to walk away from that conversation saying, I just feel really lifted up. Or you know if they walk away going, I'm broken. I'm belittled. I'm certainly not closer to God, and I'm certainly not really wanting to be, because if that's a follower of Jesus, then I don't know if I want to be around one. And so you and I, we know, we know what builds up, and we know what corrupts. And then he says this. He says that we should only speak what's good for building up as fits the occasion. As fits the occasion. What does that mean? That means that 
when we walk through life, there's all kinds of people in all different places in their life, right? And you know what? Sometimes the thing that's gonna build somebody up is actually something tough you have to say. You know, so I'm not saying here that all we ever do is just talk about good stuff and we never get real or deep or, you know, we never really get into each other's lives and, and say, hey man, that would, I see you going down that path. That would destroy you. No, sometimes that's the life-giving thing to do. You guys see what I'm saying? Sometimes the thing to do is to get in somebody's face and say, I love you enough to tell you you're about to destroy yourself with that decision. I mean, some of you parents in the room here and your kids are sitting here and you're, you know, you're thinking I'm saying don't ever discipline. Don't. No, listen, discipline leads to life. Discipline is life-giving. Now the kids are like, no, right? But, but what I'm saying here is as fits the occasion, whatever the occasion is, whatever needs to be said to bring life, sometimes it's, hey, you're, you're headed down a road that's gonna destroy you. Sometimes it's, bro, I love you. Sometimes it's, you know, God loves you so much and he's never gonna give up on you. Sometimes it's, if you keep talking to your spouse like that, you'll destroy your marriage, right? As fits the occasion. Whatever is right, whatever is appropriate for that moment, that will build up and bring life. Some of you guys are bosses here in this room, and you know that sometimes you have to talk about an employee's performance. You have to figure out, okay, is this somebody we need in this position? We need to move them? Do we need to remove them? Do we need to restaff this? All right, what's gonna bring life to them, right? You can say hard things. You can tell somebody, look, this just isn't working out, but I want you to know that, man, you can't give up, that, that another opportunity is going to come along, or, or I'll help you find that opportunity, or, hey, you know what? We've had some situations here, but we're going to work through this, right? And so you can bring life even in the midst of hard circumstances and hard conversations. And so this isn't just saying we're going to live in some ignorant bubble where everything's always good and we don't ever get in anybody's face in love. No, as fits the occasion, we're going to bring life. We're going to do what we need to do. I mean, as a parent, I'm doing this all the time. Trust me, you come to my house, it's not all like fun and games. I mean, there's a lot of fun and games, but there's also a lot of, uh, Cade, no, please get your elbow out of her ear. And, you know, I mean, just going on and on. And let's, let's no, no, listen and stop doing that. And okay, but I, I want my kids to be alive. I don't want to crush their spirits. Do I do this perfectly? Do I sometimes crush their spirits? Probably do. And, I, I, and when I do, I say, I, I just acted wrong and I'm sorry. I lost my temper. I, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. Uh, I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? And bring life even in our failure as fits the occasion. And it says, that it may give grace to those who hear. That it may give grace to those who hear. So, so only speak what will build people up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And, and I think a, a good way to understand this, some of your translations will say this, is the word benefit, that it will benefit those who hear it. And again, this brings it back to sometimes it's a tough thing, but it'll benefit somebody. I remember a time in my life where I was struggling in a certain way and I, and I told some friends about it. And I said, hey man, I'm really having a hard time with this and struggling with that. And one of my friends just straight up got in my face and let me have it. And never since that day have I struggled with that thing again. What did he do? He brought life. It was hard, it was tough but it benefited me. And so imagine living a life where the words that come out of your mouth always benefit the people around you, always build up the people around you. Don't corrupt. Don't act as, as things that are corrupting. But imagine being the kind of person who's always looking through that grid and asking this question, is what I'm about to say gonna build up the person who I'm talking to? 
Is it going to build up the person I'm talking about, whether they're here or not? Or is it going to tear them down? Is it going to corrupt the person I'm talking to about the person I'm talking about? Paul goes, look, this should not be. This is not us. Hey, followers of Jesus, this is not what we do. And I say we got to get real serious and be real careful about how we act, about the way that we represent Jesus. Because I think that our words that come out of our mouths can either bring life eternally or death eternally to those who know us that don't know Jesus. You know, the story of Gandhi, he was this, you know, incredible, like, you know, he was going to be this freedom fighter. He's going to fight for peace and he was going to do all these things. And, and he, do you know that he researched Jesus? Do you know that he believed Jesus did the, the greatest thing anyone's ever done? But do you know that he went on to say that he loved our Jesus, but he didn't think us Christians were anything like him? And that's the reason he turned his back on Christianity. Just wonder how much of that had to do with the words that came out of people's mouths, the ways he was treated, the ways he was rejected when he tried to walk into a certain type of church. They said, oh no, you're not welcome here. This is for this type of people. Those words brought death. Imagine being the kind of person, everything that comes out of our mouths goes through that grid. Will this build them up? Will this benefit them? If it's gonna corrupt them or if it's gonna corrupt anyone I could be talking about right now, then it doesn't come out of my mouth. So here's what I want you to know in identifying what a life giver is. This is what I want you to begin to think about. It's that a life giver only builds up. A life giver only builds up. That's what we do. That's the way we talk. That's the way we use our mouths. Now, some of you guys are going, oh, come on, Doug, this is just so completely not gonna happen. This is so silly, honestly. This is something that, again, it seems childish. There's something you teach little kids, you know, don't say anything nice you know, or bad unless you, whatever, I'm screwing that one up. Um, don't say anything unless you have something good to say about it. There it is. Um, but man, you know what? You, you, know, you know who lives like this? Can I just tell you who lives like this? The people that you want as your closest friends. I don't know if they are your closest friends, but you want the people who are your closest friends to be these people, don't you? You want them to be life givers. You want them to be people who build up. You want them to be people you know when you're not in the room, they will not corrupt anyone about you. This is who you want your spouse to be. Oh, come on, dog. This is not, you know, come on. This is not gonna happen. It's 2013. You know, we just kind of do what we do. All right. Let's try that in marriage. Or you could try being a life giver, only building up your spouse. And sometimes, again, does that mean hard conversations? Does that mean, hey, this hurt me? Does that mean, hey, I wish this hadn't happened or, or I'm sorry? Or Yeah, yeah, man, that's, that's gonna bring life though, right? And so imagine only building up. Us parents, our kids, we could unlock our kids' hearts if we brought life with our words. If we began to change the way that we talk to them. And that, listen to this, that we talk to each other as spouses. Some of you guys that are employees or our bosses, this could transform your work environment. You walk in there, tomorrow morning you go, all right, man, nothing corrupt. I know at this certain time, we're all gonna you know, go get lunch and everyone's gonna start complaining about that manager and that boss and what they said, I'm out. I'm gonna be a life giver. And you know what? 
You might not quite fit in. You might not quite be the cool guy, the funny guy anymore, but you know what? You're the kind of person that everybody else wants to work with. You're the kind of person everybody else wants to be the boss because you know it's a person of integrity. I remember my dad had some friends at one point and every single time they got together and I'd be there sometimes, um, these guys would just begin to rip other people apart who weren't there. And my dad, I just, I'll still remember the day, him, him saying, guys, if this is the way it's gonna be when we hang out, then I'm out. I'm not gonna sit here and let you tear people apart who aren't here. I'm not gonna sit here while you corrupt me and each other about people that aren't even here to defend themselves. He said, I'm, I'm done. And you know what? They looked back at him and they changed. Because that's the kind of person you want to be friends with, is someone who's going to stand up and say, this is wrong, this is bad. And you know what those two guys knew about my dad? When they weren't in the room, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to corrupt anybody about them. He would be a life giver. And so I don't know what avenue, what venue you need to be challenged in. Friendship, marriage, parent, workplace, Christian. But man, we have a tremendous opportunity to bring life. And you know who's done this for us? You know who's looked at every single one of us and could rip us apart like nobody's business? God. He could. He could look at me and say, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you're imperfect, I don't even want to look at you anymore, how could you be so stupid? And instead he said, I love you. Yeah, Doug, you're a mess, you make mistakes and you do stuff I wish you didn't do, but I love you and I forgive you and I speak life to you. I speak that, man, you can't even imagine what I could do through your life. That's what he's done for you. Beyond words, he put his son on the cross, right? And said, I'm just gonna say I love you, but I will die for you and take your place and remove your sin and I'll just keep speaking life to you. And sometimes does God get in our face and bring conviction and say, hey, this is wrong. You shouldn't be looking at that. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be watching that. Yeah, but he wants to bring life. And so you and I have a tremendous opportunity to see our marriages and our kids and our friendships and our church and our work environment turn around. And we have a tremendous opportunity to reach people who don't know Jesus by being life givers. And those people will look at us like we have two heads, but they will stick around, won't they? Because they want to be friends with somebody who's going to be a life giver. And so you have an amazing opportunity. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you just heard me talk for a second about what Jesus did for us. Did you know tonight that he looks at you and he doesn't focus on all the stuff you've done that you you know, you might think, well, this is between me and God and he wouldn't want me because of this and he knows I've done that and said that. And No, he looks at you tonight. Look, I've got plans for you. If you just give me your life, if you would just do what Lene and, and Amanda talked about in those baptism videos, if you would just surrender your life to me, I just wanna use you and I wanna show the world what I could do in changing you and then changing the world through you. That's what Jesus offers you tonight. He's the ultimate life giver. He's the ultimate example of someone who has every right to look at us and just talk about the mess we are, but instead chooses to build us up. And so this week, before we get into the issues of our heart next week, this week, would you just use this as a grid? 
Would you use this as a grid? A life giver only builds up. So in my conversations at home and at work and with the kids and with the spouse and with my boss and the employees and my friends, uh, you know, that I'm hanging out with and as we go back to school, and this, you know, in, this, in September and all that good stuff, man, this is the grid. I'm only gonna build up. I'm only gonna build up because that's what a life giver does. Let's pray. God, we just ask for your help with this, Lord. This is very countercultural. Nobody does this. We get it. But the few people who would be willing to do this will have great marriages. The few people who would be willing to do this will have some pretty awesome kids, I think. The few people that would be willing to do this, everybody would want to work for them. They'd be the best boss in the whole world. The few people that do this will be used by God to draw people that don't want anything to do with God to God. And so, God, we just ask for your help with this. We ask, God, that we would be these kind of people, that I'd be the kind of husband and dad and boss and employee and friend and Christian that would build people up. I just want to give you a second. Would you, would you bring the wounds to God? Would you bring the hurts to, to God that are there because of the death that people have spoken into your life for a second? It's all right, we'll just be quiet and, and just let God deal with our hearts and, and bring some healing. And now would you just ask God to make you someone who builds others up, brings life. Maybe some of us even to ask God just to forgive us for the way that we have cut others down, we have gossiped, we have made others look bad so we look good, all that game. We just maybe need to just confess that. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just ask God this week to give you the reminder to just see life through this grid. Before I speak, is this gonna corrupt or is it gonna build up? So Christians, just spend some time with God. And if you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I, I, I would challenge you to, to put this into practice. I think even if you didn't put your faith in Jesus, this could be something really, really powerful for your relationships. But man, I would say, don't just put that into practice. Respond to the one who is the life giver, who didn't just give life to you through his words, but through his actions on the cross to put himself there in your place to die for your sin and my sin and to say, man, I value you and I'm gonna speak life to you and say, I could use you. I can change your heart. I can free you. I can satisfy you. And I love you. That's, that's what God says to you tonight. That's the life he offers is it always easy? No. Is it always perfect? No. But it's satisfying and it's, it's different than what you may know to this point. And so if you want a relationship with Jesus, if you want to respond to his death on the cross like Lene and Amanda did tonight by uh, just demonstrating their relationship with Jesus in baptism, I would just encourage you to, to pray this prayer. Baptism doesn't save you. It's just a symbol. It's just a picture. What saves you is your faith in Jesus, your relationship with him. 
And so if you want that tonight, would you just pray this silently? Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for looking at me in the midst of all my sin and all my mistakes. And instead of accusing me and cutting me down and making me look bad, you gave your son for me. You got on the cross in my place. And I believe that tonight. I believe you died for me and you rose again. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin and be my savior. And I thank you for this amazing gift of salvation. And now God, make me a life giver.